You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Starring Pete Ruggieri, Larry Maris, and Jason Lewis. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. So sit back and enjoy some Masonic conversation without pretension. And now, here's your hosts, Pete, Larry, and Jason. And And Jack. Jack. Hey, that's me. Hey, and you're listening to episode number 46. Of the Masonic Late Podcast. That's usually your job, Pete. Okay, that's it. We're all here. Hey, welcome everybody. Episode 46, Masonic Late Podcast. Um, We're out of sorts because we already did our big interview that you're going to hear in five minutes. Um, with? With Michelle Snyder. Symbologist. Symbology. He's written like 100 books on symbology. 14. It's close. But who's counting? Metrics. It's not zero. But before we get there, um, we have some breaking news, sad news. Um, Brother Larry Maris. He's got the ick. He has got the ick. He is sitting on his couch. He um, he can't be here this evening, but we have replaced him. What a shame. With uh, Justin Troop, who is our um, future... Masons and Cars Getting Mac and Cheese host. <laughs> Say hi, Justin. What's going on? There we go. So uh, That's all you hear from Justin tonight. It. Thank you very much. It's so, nice to stop by. So, uh, Justin, um, what we usually do in the beginning mm-hmm. is uh, what have you done Masonically? Actually, we'll do a little more. How long have you been a Mason? Uh, a little over two years. And uh, how's that working out for you? I've, I've loved every second of it so far. I can't complain. Who was the Who was that idiot idiot that was your first line signer? Uh, you, uh, some, guy, <laughs> some guy from Coryville. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, what do you? Uh, you have a job, right? What What you? Uh, you have a not a not a, You're not gainfully employed, but I mean, saying. Oh my god. <laughs> what is your job in the lot? You have an appointed position. I am a pursuivant. That's nice. Good for you. That's a PA, strictly PA thing, I believe. Do you know how to spell that? Uh, if I had a keyboard in front of me, yeah. <laughs> Go- <laughs> with, with spell check. <laughs> no, you know what? Google autocorrect and word spell check can't fix that one. Pers- so, so pers- pursue event. Vant. Indeed. Uh, so, Persevent uh, Troop, uh, yeah. what have you done Masonically since our last Masonically broadcast about two weeks ago? Um, we, we had Grotto. That was a good time. I Yay. believe you were there for that. I we was. Thank you for showing up for one. After, yeah. after, after Grotto was better. Yeah. Well, we I did a, not hear about After Grotto. Well, Thank you very much. There's a before Grotto, too. There's a cocktail hour before and after, apparently. I was there. And we almost closed the bar. So the, the, bef- the After Grotto was not planned. Yes. But apparently there was a... Um, we talked a, about this on the last show. Well, still it was still epic. Oh. There was a restaurant that had their Christmas party in February or Ooh. January... And I don't think there was anybody over 21 except for the Ubarians. Apparently, that didn't matter according to the state of Pennsylvania. I, I, I don't know. I wasn't complaining one bit. So, uh, Justin. Yes, sir. Uh, Mason- other than that, Masonically, do you have any uh, Mason meetings, any kind of training? What have you had going on? <clears throat> well, I, I've just been doing the person thing, doing the extra meetings and getting the guys through. Um, I believe I owe you a petition for Grand Tall or Grand Cedars. And I think I've just been talked into Royal Arch tonight by Jack. Yes. <laughs> there yes, we go. Has. Now, Royal Arch is the... Uh, What's Grand Cedars? Well, now, he misspoke. Oh. Uh, yeah, Tall Cedars. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> it's the American he, He's not speaking. in it yet. He's not in it yet, so he doesn't know. 
<laughs> but but as far as the, the Royal Arch goes, and, and, and Jack, what is your title? I am most excellent, and I am most excellent high priest. Yeah, that really is the beginning. I don't know how other states do it, but in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. that's where you get the real secret word. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, that's where Freemasonry really starts... I don't know, solidifying. So I think it, it's cool. It's cool. cool. Um, so anything else you want to add? Just don't get anything after Royal Arch. Just stop there. <laughs> well, you can get in the... I'll be in charge no, of council. Sh- no, so. you can't hear that. No, stop. So. I'm good right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just afraid I might get in trouble. But right. Jack? Okay. I've already got him in a chair. Don't worry. Jack, anything nice. else going on? I happen to know that Justin owns a tuxedo, so he's like totally yep. in. So. No problem. So if you Jack, put a petition in my face, uh, I'll probably sign it. Bam. <laughs> Jack, what do you have going on Masonically the past couple of weeks? I went to Masonic Week um, at uh, in Arlington, and it was very interesting. We went down. I went down Thursday afternoon uh, as part of Junto Council of AMD, and we conferred the St. Lawrence the Martyr degree. So you and I both went down separately. And you and I had the same concern. We, the St. Lawrence of the Martyr degree, I, I don't think this is any kind of secret. One of the things you need in the degree is a gridiron. <laughs> <laughs> and we were concerned because the gridiron I have, I got from a barbecue store. It really looked like a giant fly swatter. It's big. <laughs> it's big. It was actually bigger than the Bible it's supposed to sit on. Uh. And we were we went out of our way and were very concerned. Oh my God! I was all over Pennsylvania Dutch country trying to find a hand forged and, gridiron because we were so scared that our brethren from England would <sighs> like like make fun of us. And we love our brethren from England, the one of them that listens. And um, when we got there, <laughs> <laughs> say it. We saw the Royal Ark Mariner degree. Do it. And I think these guys were like called in like five minutes before. The, the whole team, the whole degree team of the Royal Ark Mariner called in sick like two days before. <laughs> oh. Right. So, so, God, so God bless the guys that did it. Absolutely. They did a great job. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. But the 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 equipment that they used. So like like an example, um, a delta or a triangle for for the, the profane. Um, they used three knives, three butter knives taped together. Scotch taped together. It was awesome. It was brilliant. So me, so Jack and I made eye contact. We're like, <laughs> I guess our big <laughs> gridiron's really probably not a big deal tonight. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, yeah, we were good. Uh, but that was fun. It was. It was fun. It was my first visit to, um, I don't want to call it AMD week because it really wasn't AMD week. It was Masonic week. Were you there for AMD day? Uh, I was there for AMD day. Day exactly, uh, which was which D-day. was Thursday AM in the PM. Um, so, wait, what? Anyway, we did the St. Lawrence the Martyr degree, which is a degree that's under the auspices of the uh, Allied Masonic degrees. Um, Pete was was spectacular. I was the exemplar. As the exemplar, he was the candidate in the degrees. I heard you recited your lines. He was flawlessly. He Pete did not miss a single solitary line. Actually, Josh just said because 
Josh was concerned about mi- missing something, so he didn't do the call and call and return call and reply thing that we normally do. He just read it all, and I nodded. And and by well, read, he, read. He, he by, by read it, memory. he was reading it off the the inside of his eyelids because he has he has really a photographic memory of this stuff, and it's funny. It's fun to watch Josh do a degree because you can see that he like rolls his eyes back in his head. And he's reading the degree work. He's visualizing out a piece of his of paper. brain. Yeah, yeah, he is. He absolutely is, and he's brilliant. He's 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 one of a couple of guys that just knows how to memorize that stuff that way. Mm. And I just hate them all <laughs> because I can't. Do right, that. and there's so many little things because as Pennsylvania Masons, we're used to saying things in a certain way. Right. So. You know, I'm sure some ritual Nazi is going to yell at me, but like in one degree, if, if we say promise and declare, another one may be promise and swear. Another one may be this and that. There's like, it's so easy to misspeak. Oh, yeah. Because it comes to, in every degree, it's a, just a, a touch different. Right. But Josh has it all. And it's yeah. all somehow laser inscribed on the inside of his skull. And when you watch him confer a degree, he rolls his eyes back and he's actually reading it off the inside of his skull. I've, hmm. I've convinced myself of this. Um, but, um, but we love him and he does great degree work. He's amazing. Um, and there's a couple of guys like that in, in our chapter right now. And I, I really appreciate that they are good at it because I am not. I'm a, I'm a craftsman and I'm, I'm struggling to learn the work. So for me, it's, I, I just see. And we also, a, after all that was done, uh, you and I got to hang out with some of the Masonic Roundtable guys. Yes. The Masonic Roundtable guys are awesome guys. Um, and we plug their podcast because we, we love what they do. And they plug our, co- our podcast. Cause they make nev- fun cause we they suck. Do. No, they, hang on. I was like, <laughs> they, they never plug our podcast. No, they, they, they appreciate our podcast for not interfering with their podcast. Right. That's, it shows the, how yes. the difference in intelligence. So they like us <laughs> <laughs> because we are no threat to them whatsoever. That's that. And that's beautiful. You know what I was really thrown off by Jason Richards is very tall. Uh, Taller than I expected. Okay. I'm just saying. Is that a bromance thing? No, not at all. I, and he, I, he, I ended my bromance with the Oscar, <laughs> but I'll, I'll wait for my turn. So, yeah, so Jason had a, ver- a pink UGLE hat. <clears throat> he did. Jason Richards. Yeah, Jason yeah, yeah, Richards, yeah. 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 Jason Richards. Jason Richards had a pink. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. That hat no, came from. It was from a square a, encompasses. It was a, that hat came from uh, Carl Hearn and uh, Ascending Masters and Alter Ego. Uh, yeah, Carl Horner was down there with alter ego, clo- alter ego clothing. I got a shirt. Very cool. So for those of you that can remember names, that's where it came from. Ascended Masters and Alter Ego Clothing. Okay, Carl, please send us a check. That'll be great. 500 bucks. Um, so here's here's my my big faux pas of the weekend, and I haven't told any of you this yet. So this is good good, good juju. Um, <laughs> good what's juju. Juju. So, juju. juju. So about last year at Masonic <laughs> Week, the guys from St. Thomas of Akon loved my scarves from MasonicScarves.com. And of oh. course they would. And they ordered 50 custom scarves. Wow. Oh, they're the man. And I got them in like a month later. I didn't charge them. I, I, I just paid it out of my, because I, you know, I trust them as brothers. So I'm like, so should I mail these to you? Like, no, no, no. Bring them to Masonic Week. Okay. So like, a week or two before Masonic Week, I submitted my invoice, and they paid it right away. Thank you, guys. But I get down there at Masonic Week, and I see Seth Anthony on the escalator, and he goes, 
the St. Thomas the Akon guys are itching for their scarves. Uh, they're looking for you. And my eyes get as big as quarters because I just remember they're sitting in my bar. Whoops. This is at four. But by bar, you mean right next to the door on the way out. Yes. Of your yes. house. Yeah, because I set them by the door so I wouldn't forget them. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Okay. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm like, no big deal. I'll come up with something. So one of my college friends is a meteorologist in Washington, D.C., and he's broke as heck. So I'm like, Matt, could you drive to Lancaster, Pennsylvania tonight? I will give you $100 plus gas money if you pick these scarves up. So my buddy Matt drove all the way up to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, got my scarves, drove them back. He met me in my hotel at 1130 at night. I emailed the guy from St. Thomas of Akon. Hey, I've got your scarves. I'll have them for you tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Reply comes back. We needed them today. <gasps> We're already, we already left. Could you ship them? So then he gave me his address in Washington, <laughs> D.C. Oh, my God. So apparently I, like, stressed out over not... Like, my screw-up is already... <laughs> epically done but um, so anyway guys it's in the mail do they need them for like a specific thing they were doing that well day? it was a gift it was a okay. gift from the from their their the head officers uh, and give them to all their members so so this is how pete goes from being a hundred air mm-hmm. to, to being zero. to being a zero air so yeah i i work like <laughs> I think I worked like a hundred dollars profit in on that order, uh, and I gave that all to my buddy from DC. <laughs> oh my God. And then today I had to ship them out, so I'm in the negative. Uh, so I need all my listeners to go buy a scarf at a high markup so I can yes. cover that. <laughs> we're, we're selling scarves tonight at twice the normal price. So Jason, you came down the next day to do the, a degree, and two days later. We came down to confer the Muscovite's degree. This old odd fellow's degree we brought down. We were super loud and boisterous. We had the hotel staff, and they came over and told us all to be quiet because we were yelling through the hallways in our winky hats and big-ass axes. Yeah, when you carry axes around in hotel lobbies, they get nervous. And a big beef eater hat. Well, we told our degree was being held like down a hallway. And me and the other guard with the axe, we stood at the hallway, and if you didn't have your Muscovites pinned, we crossed the axes and we wouldn't let you in. So here's all these, like, super-duper accents I've never heard before, big-wig <laughs> Mason guys, and, they're, and we're like, pin. <laughs> and they say, comrade, pin. And they say, what? We say, show us pin. And then they're like, but, 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 where, well, uh, uh, we, we registered online. We're like, pin, show us pin. So that was kind of... We, we set the, the tone for the, the afternoon. Uh, but the Muscovites degree was great. We had 70 people in the room. Uh, Seth and a few other guys were already there for other Masonic events, and we came down in a party bus. Uh, one of our our fellow Muscovites works for a transportation company, so we had the big party van, the big sprinter, had mimosas on the way down. It was nice. good. What? what? Yeah, so we came, So I got to tell you my, my Oscar Allen story, who's been a guest on our show. and. <laughs> Oscar, I really hope you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, because you have better things to do. You know, the joke has been that that I have had a man crush on Oscar Allen, right? You have a man crush on a lot of our fans that don't... don't, (laughs) They're not reciprocated. Oscar and I just happened to be in the Valley of Wilmington when I got my 32nd degree, and he conferred the 19th degree, and that's kind of when, you know... 
the bromance started. Again, he doesn't have any idea who I was. <laughs> so I'm standing at a vendor's table, right? We had like maybe 30 minutes before we had to do our degree to, to mingle. And I see Oscar coming down, coming down the elevator. <laughs> As if cascading yes, over a cascading falls. down. And I say, Oscar, come over here. <laughs> and he comes over and he goes, I'm sorry. And I go, Jason Lewis from a Sonic Light Podcast. You were on our show. Oh, very nice to meet you. Like, I'm the one that everybody jokes that has a bromance. Can we take a picture? And he goes, uh, okay. So I quick give my camera to the royal inner guard, David LeBon. <laughs> and he takes He's a couple a pictures. And I look, I look over at Oscar and I go, so what are you doing later? Wink, wink. And he goes, well, nice meeting you. Got to go. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, yeah, because we're recording this so backwards, I don't know whether it made it to tape. You know, what are you going to do? Every interaction I've ever had with a listener... It's never started out with me. It's always been like, you're the guy from Masonic Light Podcast, aren't you? I'm like, who do we owe money to? Much, like, 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 what do we do? Much now, safer that Now, way. I will say that uh, Heather Calloway, she was great. She was in our degree. She enjoyed it. We took some pictures. Uh, of course, the Masonic Roundtable guys, you know, Jason and John and Mike Hamburg, especially, we've uh, talked to back and forth virtually, but never in person. So hanging out with those guys is pretty cool. They were in the class. So, yeah, Masonic Week was pretty fun for a non-AMD guy. So was, right. we need to, like... So far. So we need to make... Maybe next year, we need to get on the agenda for something for Masonic Light Podcast. Why don't we just get a table? Well, we can. But, I mean, we need, like, a, an audience. <laughs> a captive audience. But speaking of something very serious, let's talk about our next guest. Oh, Michelle Snyder. Oh. Wow. Um, so, you know, Michelle falls in that category with a few of other of our, our guests that are way too educated and smart Tabert. to be on the show. Oscar. So we are so lucky to have her, but Heather, but not only is, is Michelle really smart and, and she's so passionate about her topic and it, it comes through and she gets us excited about it. So she's a symbologist. And uh, just thanks in advance for being on the show. And here's our interview with uh, Michelle Snyder. Hey, everybody. We are here with our guest of episode 46, um, symbologist Michelle Snyder. Welcome, Michelle. Hi. Um, so a little background. Um, I met you at Masonic Con. Was that last year? Yes. Yes, last year at Masonic Con. And uh, I was just enamored. I knew you knew so much. And I told Larry, who's not here today because Larry has the flu. Larry's a big chicken. He was afraid of you. And, and, he ran and away. Larry kept dragging his feet because you know more than he does. And that offends him. <laughs> That he's offended. He 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 has a very frail ego, so he's not here. We're not intimidated by a smart woman, so we're here to we welcome you. Yeah, yes. Tell him I hope he gets over the flu. It's a horrible thing to have. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. So normally this is this is where Larry would read um, for ten minutes your resume and not let you talk, but we're going to do things different than Larry. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in symbology? Well, 
interested in symbology. Well, that, visual language is what symbology is. And I've been drawing since I was two. And I taught art in schools and in my studio for about 40 years. And then uh, in 2000, I was in a wheelchair. And I, I figured, um, sort of discovered that you really can't chase kids who have just discovered that erasers bounce when you're in a wheelchair so that the <laughs> thing wasn't going to work. So I had become very interested in, uh, in the symbolism of the church and, and the biblical symbolism and Bible study symbolism. And I did a, I did a Bible study, it was really intriguing, called uh, Art, Artists, and God. I wanted to know what the Bible had to say about the role of art and artists. And I found out cool things like, you know, art was not something you hung in a museum or on a wall until about 500 years ago. Before that, everything that was made was art. You didn't have anything if it wasn't made by hand. You had all your quilts and blankets and dishes and jewelry. And then I wanted to know, okay, who who decided how much Rachel was worth? You know, they, they bought her with, with textiles and things. So I did that kind of a study. And then I really, um, I really decided I was going to do my thesis on tracing symbols back. And I went through the University of Wales. I started my thesis when the Da Vinci Code came out. And that book influenced me only in one way, and that is that uh, Robert Langdon was a symbologist, and then I realized there was such a thing. <laughs> I must be that. That's, that's where it ended, right? Yeah. Thank you, Dan Brown. So I worked on that, and um, the University of Wales is in the UK, and so I have a Master's of Philosophy, which is really higher than a Master of Arts here. Uh, so I was like halfway between. It was difficult. It, uh, I had my colleague, Dr. Robert Duncan Ensman, who has translated Ice Age inscriptions, was the reason I could do my thesis, because we find out how far back the Rx symbol goes to 14,000 B.C. or even before. And it means medicine lady and her medicine. And it actually looks like the, like the Rx symbol. It comes up through the eye of Horus. And the eyes on the bow of the Greek ships and all of this, they're all in the same. And it was just fascinating. So he worked with me and uh, we put my thesis together and I graduated when the lost symbol came out. I did not plan it that way. It just happened. Uh, this makes a great story. <laughs> so um, since then, I have written columns in newspapers, uh, local newspapers. I, we were in California. I did some symbology seminars there. I taught art workshops where people would learn to design symbols for themselves. And that was um, a natural progression from teaching art and teaching visual language. And then um, then I wrote a book, and there we have the rest of it. Now I have 14. Wow. So you've already blown my mind, so thank you for that, uh, the whole RX thing. Okay. And, and I, I'm just trying to wrap my arms around how you, how you decipher something that's 14,000 years old. That's um, yeah. mind-boggling. can't do that. But things like uh, things like the cuneiform, you know, people think that the, the common belief, I think, is that it takes a team of people to translate that kind of a language. It doesn't. It takes one person. Uh, Dr. Ensman was born uh, to an American mother in China where she was a missionary, a nurse missionary doing medical practice. And he was born just south of the Forbidden City before there was even electricity there. And he's, um, you know, he puts rockets in space. That's quite a progression in one life. But he reads and writes 15 languages, a lot of them are dead. But the fact is that Chinese is a pictorial language, unlike the phonetic language that we're used to. 
he's also a mathematician. He's also a cryptographer. I mean, this, this man's brain was just set to see the patterns in the Ice Age inscriptions that everybody else thinks are just scribbles and, and you know, ritual art or whatever it was. And he would see the patterns and he found them. And he found the same exact symbol pattern showing up thousands of times on thousands of images. And then he, he, he began to put it together. It's just one person's brain that is just the right one. So symbolically speaking, the closest I come to actually appreciating symbols is the, the comics on, in the Sunday newspaper. So that, that's about my level of, of, of symbology. Um, and I, I think I speak for most of the guys in Pennsylvania masonry, and, and Pete alluded to this when we were before we started recording. But um, we don't we don't very often peel back the layers. Um, we see we see uh, the trowel as something that spreads the cement, and that's it. Um, how well, did why you, that? I beg your pardon. So why do you why do you in masonry why do you use the trowel as a symbol for what spreads the cement or the love of the brotherhood to keep it together. Why do you use that? Because that's what we're told. And that's all we're told about it. And that's it. End of story. Go on to the next thing. So we well, don't, we don't, in, in, in our world, we don't dig deeper. So how, how can you, how can we as a group of men dig deeper? What, what, what do you see for us? Where's our future in that? Um, I think that I'm very careful to respect what I call the canon of symbology within masonry. Context is very important. Your symbols are used for a specific reason. They're explained to you in ritual, and they mean what they mean. The symbols remind you of the ritual. And so in that way, they are a visual trigger for something that you need to remember and learn. But I read... In, um, in my years of, I was researching Masonic symbols before Jay was even raised. So um, it's been a long time. But I remember reading that the way that they came up with the symbology for Freemasonry and the allegory and what symbols they use was they took the symbol, they took the tool, the trowel, for example, or the plum, and they, they understood what it did in reality in craft, in the craft. A plum tells you what? That something is... Vertical. Exactly vertical. Right. Okay. So it made sense for them to use the plum to symbolize the, the concept and the philosophy of living an upright life. They did this deliberately. The circumpunct is a dot within a circle. Yours has two lines. And I've gone over what this means outside of masonry. But it still makes sense, considering that that is a symbol for the analemma of the sun, which is restricted between Cancer and Capricorn in its path, which is repeated eternally. And so it is the sun has to stay within its designated path. So why should not a human being have to circumscribe their life? And that's the symbol they used, was the one that is the symbol for the sun's analemma makes sense that they have taken those symbols and applied them to a philosophy to help you understand, to remember, and to ingest the philosophy, because sim symbols are a shortcut for thought. They go right to your brain. The, 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 the images, and especially archetypal images, they bypass the logical word patterns we use when we listen to words or read or speak. 
and they work directly on your associative processes in your brain. When you see symbols, you associate the images with things, and it happens a lot quicker than you could explain it in words. This is part of why symbols are so powerful. Was that at a at a um, a time in Freemasonry when it officially was founded in 1717? Was that okay. just an easier way to teach people that maybe I believe I can't say what they were thinking then, but it is an easier way. You have you have um, a trigger. You've got a visual trigger, like the tracing board should the symbols should remind you of the ritual that applies to the tracing board. It helps you remember the lessons. I believe that they understood that. They, uh, also, they also had a thorough understanding of the, of, of the Christian Bible at the time. So they went back to the stories that were in it that, that reflected on those things, and they, and they pulled them back out again, whether it was the, the New Testament or the Old Testament. It was, they knew it. They knew it in Greek, and they knew it in Hebrew. So when they created their, our work, that's that's kind of where they drew those symbols from. Um, the, um, the same thing, star. I always wondered why the the five star points were represented by women from the Bible. I said, well, why that? And and my colleague Bob Ensman said to me, well, what other names are they going to use? People know those names. Those stories are known, and and even though those stories. And the people could be allegorical or symbolic for something they are well known. And you need to have something that is, you know, that has already. Um, An archetype. Uh, yeah, it's already got archetypes already known. Right. Right. I, was so, re I was reading today that how where we look at the point within the circle and we're taught that it represents the, the two St. John's who are vastly different personalities. Mm -hmm. earlier, earlier on, it meant. I think it was uh, Solomon and Moses because, you know, Solomon was the judge and the law and, and Moses was more of like the, the teacher. And right. it's, it's, it's fascinating, especially even within Freemasonry, how things change, but stay the same. But the meaning is the same. The, just... the, it is it is very interesting about the two saints, John, because the lines uh, that are beside the beside the circumpunct. Right? They're up and down. If you put them up and down, one is Cancer and the other is Capricorn. Right. And the two Saints Johns represent those extremes as well. So it doesn't matter really what you call or what you label the parts of the symbol. The symbol itself, why am I getting a message in my computer? Did you hear that dingling? We did. Yeah. That's okay. It sounded very pleasant, though. That's usually where we yell at Larry, but we'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Away. Just blame so, Mary. So, so the fact is that, that that symbol just translates into what what the philosophy is that they're trying to help you remember. And that's true, I think. Symbols are, especially the ones in, in Freemasonry, they're like a mnemonic. They just, they're for memory. And they used good ones. And that was a science that they, that they had. The science of teaching with symbols and allegory is powerful. And one of the reasons is because in order to understand you got to understand perception. The, the brain is like a mirror. When you look in a mirror, you can see what's there, right? It's reflecting off of the, of, the, of the real thing, and you can see it. But when you go over to the glass and touch the mirror, there's nothing there. Right. It's a virtual image. Well, your brain is the same. Your eyes 
they receive reflected light because we only see things because of light and dark. So your brain interprets the, the, the light that is being reflected through your eyes and it creates a virtual reality in your brain of what you are seeing. And that virtual reality is interpreted by you and every person individually. And that we are all different because we've all got different genetics. We've all been born and raised in different places. We have different experiences with which we associate the things that we see. That's, and so that, I, I, I teach the candidates at my lodge as they're coming through. And I tell them that we, we teach these things in symbols because we all see the symbols through the prism of our own experience. That is and, true. And everybody sees them differently because of that. And, and that, that is absolutely true, because it, the reason a symbology, let's go, let's go back to the beginning here, a symbology. What is, what is a symbol? A symbol is an abstraction of a concept or an idea or a thing. Basically, it's an abstraction. Mm -hmm. A symbology is a system of communication. So you're born into a culture, and it takes you forever to learn to read and write the symbology. And it's important. Humans make up language. We create language. We have the power to create language, and we have to because that is how we communicate our dreams and ideas and our views of reality to other people. And we also create knowledge, and we need that language and that symbology in, in order to share that knowledge. Now, if you, we, we agree on what things mean. You look at a tree. And you see, you see the, the tree, you think the word tree, you see the word tree, and you, you think of a tree. But if you went to China, that would not be a tree. We have to agree on what those things mean, which is why symbols in context is very important. If you are a brother and you're looking at a Masonic symbol, the brethren agree on what that means. Now, you might go to India, and that same picture will not mean the same thing there. All the symbols that we have have roots in, in ancient civilization, mostly to prehistory. But they also have layers. They collect layers as cultures use them. And the layers of meaning, for example, it's a sad story, but the swastika is 30 to 40,000 years old. Right. In, right. in some places of the world, it means health and wealth and, and prosperity and, and all things that are good. And then one year... It gets used by a culture that put a very negative meaning on it. Right. And right. so people have a hard time looking past that layer to see what the, the other layers really are. And I'm, so we have to I'm, do that with all symbols. I'm not sure if, you're, if you know the guy or you've seen his work. Um, who was I looking up today? Gentleman by the name of William Kirk McNulty uh, from Indiana. He did a bunch of videos on YouTube about... Uh, symbology and Freemasonry. And he, he obviously couldn't go into detail because it was recorded years ago. Um, I said I couldn't ask him questions. But he was talking about how Freemasonry officially began at the end of the, or in the Renaissance. And, and, and could you, how did like the Renaissance impact the symbols that we use? Um, just there's so many things that came out of that, the Renaissance period that just kind of monopolized our thought in the Western world. And we know that you know what those symbols are. <laughs> but, uh, Renaissance is so recent. You know, take me back 10,000 years. Oh, and, yes, oh. go there, please. Go there. Where the megalithic mariners discovered the Venus clock. 
And because they were studying the stars and astronomy, they had to create geometry. 6,000 BC, we have them naming the days of the Earth, the, day, the days of the week, based on the, the, the planets, which included at that point the sun and the moon that they understood. And they understood the math. They understood the apparent speed through the sky. They, they measured the circumference of the Earth. 6,000 BC had more impact on us than any Renaissance. But I will answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Jack now has a huge crush on you. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, I just so want to just have a cup of coffee. Yes. The Renaissance, the Renaissance is such a romantic period of time. Of course, everyone loves it. And that's when, you know, the, the, the artists of the day, they figured out how to draw perspective so that they weren't just stacking objects up. And they, they, you know, I mean, Da Vinci was amazing. He had a great impact on a lot of things that didn't even really manifest that the impact for maybe even centuries. But the Renaissance also, um, I think it romanticized a lot of things. Archetypes, however, archetypes are symbols which represent experiences and sights common to all of humanity, like a mother and child. They're there's been mother and children since there's been the first mother with a child. Every human being has seen a mother and child. So it doesn't matter what culture or language that they speak. You show them a mother and child, it's a powerful archetype. That is why it's used so effectively in religion. The other thing that's, that everyone has seen is the sun and the moon, unless you live in a cave or under the ocean, in which case then you haven't. But I don't know any people that live down there, so... The sun and the moon also are archetypes because of that. And then there's, you know, you could get into the Jungian thing, but in the Renaissance. Yeah, we'll stay away from Jung. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Those archetypes were powerfully used. Uh, Fine artists would paint um, things that were, would have been, had the church known what they meant, uh, not allowed. And they came up with an entire uh, symbology of their own, a, a, a pictorial language where they painted things about alchemy and they painted things about that would have been considered heresy then, uh, and into fine art pieces. They made them, they, they turned them and they painted amulets for famous people who could afford them. Paintings that were an, an amulet and hang on, and on your wall or hang in your room. Uh, the church never really understood that and that code or that that um, symbol system was passed down from uh, like an underground stream that that you can associate with alchemy from master to to disciple Mm -hmm. to learn like for example if you see a painting that has three golden arrows that is a symbol for enlightenment which was not allowed by the church the same thing why three golden arrows three golden arrows i don't know why it just is and then um there's three little red flowers. If they're specific and alone, that also was a symbol for enlightenment. So that takes me to the number three. They must have had some idea from uh, Pythagoras and sacred geometry that the number three was a sacred number. You know, speaking of Pythagoras, he understood that the universe is made on pattern and number. Mm-hmm. Geometry. Sacred geometry. And one of the things that I really love about Masonic symbolism and the Masonic um, 
the whole Masonic allegory and symbology is that they encourage the seven classic uh, subjects, including astronomy and geometry. It's all over the lodge. Everything is set up astronomically. And when you study astronomy, you need geometry. Those two things go together. And when you can be encouraged, as for example, through the Masonic system, to learn more about geometry and learn more about sacred geometry and learn to see it, learn to see the patterns that are there, the patterns on which creation is made, you can catch a glimpse of the divine. We, we, uh, I think we all need to like wrap our heads in a bandage right now and recover a little bit from this. <laughs> so I think we should take a break so that our, uh, okay. our, the people we're not really going anywhere, but we're not going anywhere. We're still going to keep talking, but the rest of these people can just, they're, they're going to hear a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mazel tov. All right. Good news, everyone. Masonic Light News. News not fit to print. In Masonic News today, York Rite Masons from around the world gathered this week in Arlington, Virginia for a nearly week-long assembly of increasingly exalted degrees. It looks like a collection of Swiss Army generals with all them medals they're wearing, said Rodney LaPelle of the Grand Lodge of Ohio. Another brother was heard to say... There's so much bling for sale in the lobby. I'm going to need a bucket to take it all home. Degrees of every kind were offered to willing attendees who had their wallets open and their fill of masonry for a single weekend. Arks, friars, corks, and even a barbecued monk were held up as examples of Masonic principles. Reports of a bear sent all the way from Tsarist Russia continue to pour in. The only question left unanswered at the end of Masonic Week was, how can I hide the next credit card statement? And that's the Masonic News, so mode it was. If you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to uh, <laughs> listening to our conversation with uh, Michelle Snyder, symbologist, uh, author of Symbology, Decoding Classic Images, and uh, Decoding Symbols Through History, and several other books, which you can find on Amazon, but we'll let you talk about that later. But uh, I don't want to interrupt uh, Michelle or Jack, so... So I'll just jump in then. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's So, so uh, Michelle, one of my big... Kind of like my, I don't know, I have a lot of pet peeves, but. <laughs> oh, God, uh, yes. <laughs> so, so there's there's some of us that everybody loves Freemasonry for other different reasons. And there's some people that think that Freemasonry is the beginning and the, the beginning of all esoteric, esotericism and symbology. And, and I'm trying and I'm not smart enough to tell them they're wrong. So I just tell them they're wrong. Um, you know, they're like, <laughs> but there was, you know, symbology and esotericism has been around 
for, as you say, for centuries. Yes. Freemasonry does not have like the, <laughs> does not own that. I mean, no. it was, I, we, we were just the one little fraternity that kind of called on and, and stuck around. Um, yeah, are there some other big groups that were really big in it? I have to, I have to go way back because symbolism is a natural function. Right. Cave I mean, walls. Hey, that's a, sim- very, that's a, a very symbolic age. communication that tells your life, you know, tells nature what you're going to be. Symbolism is at the very base of life that, so, and symbols are, we use symbols to communicate. I mean, we're not the only ones that use symbols to communicate. Cats will scratch on a tree to say, that's mine, and don't cross that line, okay? Or uh, you're in big trouble. Or, you know, or they leave their scent somewhere. It's a natural process to do. Pete leaves uh, his sense. So, Esotericism is, uh, that's a huge subject, and we cannot confine it to the beginning of Freemasonry. Just so, so is there a difference between esotericism and, if, if that's a word, <laughs> I think Pete made it up, but that's okay, between that and, and symbology? I mean, is there a, is there a difference, symbology. or is it semantic? Symbology has two definitions I, I explained. One is it's a system of communication. We, we have an English symbology. There's a Chinese symbology. So, okay. yes, the okay. system of symbols. Okay? But symbology is what I do, is the study, the comparative study of symbols. So it's also a verb. But esoteric systems need to be taught. They are, it's a symbol system that you either need the key to understand or you need to have a mentor. It's an oral tradition teaching. Now, occult is different. Occult just means hidden. It's an astronomical term. Uh, and occult symbology, uh, an occult symbol system can be learned with a lot of study. It's easier with a teacher, but it can be found. Things that are hidden can be found. Esoteric is a system for which you need a mentor, and that is not a new thing. And uh, and so, so what was the other half of that question? Yeah, <laughs> I forget. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I mean, from what, from my my. My limited knowledge. I just like listening to you talk. That's my, all. My, <laughs> for my limited knowledge from my state college, my state <laughs> state institution, um, you know, esoteric is you know the private, secret, confidential. It's uh, intended to be revealed only to initiates of a group, and I and that, that, kind is, that is true. You can apply it that way, and, but it is not. You know, it is not limited to Freemasonry and Freemasons. I mean, esoteric uh, systems have were around long before Masons. Oh, the Book of the Dead. And, yeah. mm-hmm. my head, but I will say that you're right. But, you know, when somebody says something to me like like that and, and they want you to agree with them, I can say that I agree with you, but you don't be wrong. So I, I can do it that way. Well, but the, op- the opposite would be exoteric. And that's that what, what you see is what it means. Ooh, okay. The little symbols we have on the bathrooms, you and your toilet, that's exoteric. Everybody has to understand it. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, that got kind of a little confusing the past couple of years. Um, <laughs> well, no, no, because the, they said you can go to any bathroom you want. So. Sure, that's what they but, said. Well, I think they ought to have, you know, men, women, and question mark. I think that would be much more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. All right, you're in. I just feel ba- I just feel bad for the poor disabled folks because they get lumped into the. All right, Other. you and everybody can use this one. Yeah. Like. <laughs> 
the bathroom. Shut the door, lock it, and have fun. I mean, Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Rip it up. Welcome. It's not political. Oh, and that is the symbology, you know, that you and your you and your toilet signs. So there's so there's esoteric and there's occult, occult, and then there's symbolic, and symbolic is is proto-human even probably mm -hmm. sure. right. Well, symbolic is like the umbrella for everything that is imaged. You know, amoeba. It, it is an amoeba. Right? No, it's a paramecium. A paramecium. It has, uh, has an eye and then like 250,000 little centrioles that go from the eye to the brain. It has a brain. And it has to symbolize in its brain. It has to know what its food is and, and, and whether or not it can eat the food. And, you know, a paramecium, it, it doesn't look. Let's get complicated and go really sciencey, okay? There are state spaces and there are information spaces. A state space is a thing, just anything, a desk. That's a, that's a state space. It is something that exists. An information space is a state space with information in it, like Ooh. the brain, like a blade of grass. It knows when it's going to grow, and, it, and then after it's done growing, it, it dies. Um, okay. I, would, I would posit that your computer is now an information space. Ooh. Information spaces are how life progresses and and it, how it exists uh, you know what why is it that you know one one of us has blue eyes and one of us has green eyes the information space that developed you as a human being was told that a bird i always ask how does a bird know how to build a nest they don't go to school how do they know that because they have symbols in their brain which tell them what it's supposed to look like and direct them to do it. You have a pH balance in your system, the acidic balance of your system. And when your system goes off um, a minor amount of the pH, it can go back to where it's supposed to be. My question was, how does it know where it's supposed to be once it's not there anymore? Pete is very familiar with this. He has to go to UPenn every now and then. Yeah, I passed, I passed out in Rome because of that. <laughs> See, well, you were a little over the edge, and, and your body needed some help. But your body knows. It, it, there are symbols in your biological structure which tell it how to function. So symbols and symbology is... But those aren't cognitive symbols, right? Those aren't things that you... Th whether it's... Whether, it's um, uh, whether there's awareness or, or not, um, those are things that you're... I don't know. That you Spit think about. Out. That you think about. I'm sorry. It's, it's been a long day. What's the S symbol. Yeah, there's not a question really. It's more of a statement. Symbols. Symbols have to be have to be considered, right? You, you're saying that they're reacted to subliminally, and and I don't disagree. Absolutely. Um, and I would never disagree with you because you've got like degrees and stuff. But <laughs> but conversation. But the symbols are are something that are reacted to biochemically. Right? Is that what you're? That's kind of what you're saying. Well, sometimes but it depends on how, it depends on their context in your body. Yes, your DNA instructs your body how how it's to be. But you know, when we draw a symbol to communicate something to somebody, um, then that's intellectual. Like, yeah. Right. So it depends. Um, that's why context is so important. You can't just 
you can't just take a German word and put it in anybody's book. It won't make any sense. Oh, come on. <laughs> but I want to. Take a picture, you take an image, and you, and you see it throughout history, but when and where in history that it has been used will tell you more about what that symbol means at that point in time than just, this, just the use of the symbol. Context right. is really important. In some cultures, white cats are bad luck. I think they have it backwards, but who am I? Well, cats in general, uh, but that's just me. Well, that's so, just you. Mine is white. So, Michelle, so I, I can't even consider the fact that she's bad luck. It would not, it just wouldn't sit well with me at all. I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead, Jason. So, switch gears just a little bit. Let's say that you had a handful of not symbologists in front of you, such as ourselves. What is a good symbology and symbologist starter kit? I mean, obviously, you've written a number of books, but for for a novice, where's a good place to start? And you and this is your, this is where you can plug your own book. Well, I was going to say, I could recommend a book that I read, but no, I think I'll use mine if you don't. Add a girl. I think um, I've been selling a pair of books. I went down to the, the Grand Lodge of New Jersey, and I did a new seminar called Symbology, Leadership, and Power. It was Ooh. very, yeah, that book is coming out later in the spring. Um, but the, the, the brethren there really liked uh, hidden in plain sight and revision. Revision will take you through symbology in terms of what it is, how it's done, context, archetypes. You know, it, it has all of the basic information there on what that means. And then there's there's a, a couple of there's a couple of articles in the back like busting the caveman myth. It also introduces you to some simple Ice Age language translations. It's very important that we break the paradigm that our ancestors were grunting, um, uh, you know, illiterate big brutes dragging women by the hair into their cave. Well, um, my, mine maybe, but not most. Yeah, well, but, you know, what, what makes me think it was just the men? Maybe the women did. I don't know. Anyway, you can't live in a cave because uh, when it's 70 below zero for months, you are going to have to seal up your cave and light a fire, which means you die of carbon monoxide poisoning, or you can't seal up your cave and you freeze to death. So there are some things in there that are really important about breaking that paradigm of what we think our ancestors were like. They lived through centuries, millennia, thousands of years of 100 below temperatures in the winter. I do not know if we could do that even with our technology. They were, they had among them some absolutely brilliant people. So my wife could not do it for more than a day. That would be it. Right. Camping, be it. camping for her is at the Marriott. So. <laughs> the basics of the Ice Age language and the basics of um, the, how, you, how, how I do symbology, what it means, archetypes, that's all in revision and in the back. I actually decode some classic images. It is decoding classic images on steroids. That's the revised edition of the first book. That's hidden in plain sight? No, that's revision. That's revision. Hidden okay. in plain sight is a little bit different, and, and um, anybody who's really interested in esoteric material would probably like it. It's got chapters on alchemy, uh, sun gods, the green man. Um, heraldry, the tarot, and they're and they're organized. The material is organized in chapters like that, which is um, which is 
cool, you can just open it to a chapter of a subject that, that interests you. Um, you can read about archetypes or whatever. So those two, I think, would be a good place to start. Fantastic. Have, have you considered, um, just because we're such a, a rabid audience, um, <laughs> no, I mean Freemasonry in general, like there is a new generation of Freemasons that, well, actually every, all the four of us in this room, we joined and we did not find what we were looking for. Which was what you're talking about. So we are seeking it out. And so as an example, Justin, you haven't heard Justin too much. Justin and I had a very well-produced comedy show podcast and nobody listened to us. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Absolutely nobody. Well, the production, you the was, production was great. <laughs> so, so on a whim, we decided let's just do this Masonic thing. And, and like a few weeks later, we have thousands of fans in, in, in countries. Wait a minute, Larry. Thousands, really? Come well, on. It's because, I mean, so if you were to write a book specifically on Masonic symbolism, it might, it might get you a payday. I'm just saying. Because like, it's, they are well, just ravenous. That, um, I'm not a Mason. Well, well, if you lived in Washington, D.C., you could be. I uh, know, I understand that. So, Jay is actually writing a book on this subject for Masons. Jay is right. Jay, Jay is writing that. Jay, in, in air quotes, you're seeing that. Yes. We want Michelle. We want yeah. Michelle. We want Michelle. <laughs> I will be writing a book on Eastern star symbolism. Oh, nice. Okay. Are you an Eastern star? To read. I could do that, I suppose. Although my approach to Masonic symbols are that you can't separate the image from its history. It has a new meaning, perhaps a, a revised meaning or a new application in the context of Freemasonry, but it brings with it all the power of its own history. <sighs> And if you can, if you can wrap your head around that, if you can find that history, it will give your symbols so much more meaning and depth. And you will have revelations as to why those symbols were used. They did not mean to separate the symbol they're using from its history. I know that because I've looked at them. There's just no way. They understood it when they, when they came up with this system. And to me, Freemasonry is responsible for preserving and teaching the information that I, that I find when I go into prehistory and, and look at the civilization that was there. The fact is that they were building astronomical observatories, 6,000, 10,000 B.C. The Sphinx, the Great Sphinx built in 9,000 B.C. had two poles in front of its great paws that they used to time one star from reaching one pole to the other pole. It was an observatory. And before it was an observatory, probably 15,000 BC, it was a sundial. It's, it's made out of a yard dung, which is a single outcropping of stone. It's the biggest single stone sculpture in the world. And before it was, a, a, before they used it for a sundial, they just used it as a menhir because they could see the sun passing. It's facing east. There were, the megaliths that dot our planet were deliberate. They are astronomical observatories, and these, the symbols that we have go all the way back. It's just astounding. So they had them 
Go ahead. Michelle, we just really wish that you would be a little more passionate about your craft. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wish we were a little smarter. I, I, I just... Self combust here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice because I have a graphic design background, so I can really appreciate where this is coming from. When you distill like the graphic design definition down, it's a communi effective communication with you know text, images, and symbols. And this is basically what we're kind of discussing here is a lot with you know with the symbology. I really I really appreciate it. Well, you know, um, <laughs> so so Jason's Lodge is having a big th event coming up. Yep, March third. And, and if it is a success, we're I'm sure they're going to redo it every year. No, I claim her. We, oh, uh, <laughs> the March 3rd event, we would like to do one in the fall. So perhaps we'll talk offline. Yeah, Need. just you have uh -huh. my email address. And, uh, I will bring you leadership and power. It was, I was the only female <laughs> in 300 brethren. I took enormous advantage of this situation. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it's a new presentation. It was, it, I mean, I covered things like the crown and the scepter and the gavel and the rod and the cord. Oh. And I covered the, the concepts of leadership and power, which are very interesting. So, you know, and plus I always teach perception and how that works because it makes a difference. People have got to understand that you can show somebody the same picture and it's not going to mean the same thing exactly right. to each person, but it does mean the same thing in general. And that's why these things, last, you know, you can pull these kinds of, of um of symbols out of mythology and folklore and fairy tales. It's symbolism. It can be a picture or a letter or a musical note. I mean, it can be a scent. It can be words that, that make a description of something. The letters that we use to write are symbols. We can't communicate without them. The words we speak are symbols for whatever it is that we're speaking about. I, I say I say lodge, and you guys have something in your head. Okay, that's a symbol. That word. Right. And so, that's what it takes to communicate. It's an enormous subject. I think we have some homework because, like, I was just looking at Jack, and we have you as such a, a wealth of knowledge. I feel like we need to come up with a specific topic that we need to bug you on at another time okay? and, and, and like discuss one thing, one, because we could really hammer down on any little thing we want in the lodge. And I'm sure yeah. you could help us figure it out. Okay. Symbologist on. on call. Symbologist on call. <laughs> do you take, do you take a retainer? <laughs> I would consider it, but you can always email me. Michelle, we thank you so much for coming here tonight. This is this is just um, it's picked a scab that I've been nursing for many years, and Wait I. A second. I don't know that I've ever been associated with picking a scab, but okay. Not I, I that you, it. not that you yourself are a scab, but that but that there is a scab, there is a scar on my masonry that's related to this exact topic. So. I, we we so appreciate your coming here uh, to be with us this week. So honor to be on your show. You guys are great. No, you should not be honored to be on this show. This no, is we thank this you. This is so wrong. We thank you. We thank. If you. we had a budget, we'd pay you. But obviously, if you see my basement, <laughs> you realize we don't have a budget. We accidentally yeah. asked an actor. Come on, on the show. It's important. I want people to have an aha moment when they either read my book or listen to me or many of them, and. Um, I think each person 
is very close to being able to just catch a glimpse of what divine really means. Do you know that the word divine comes from the word divide? And the word divide came into being when they made geometry from studying astronomy about 6,000 B.C. So there you have another little... No, you have to stop now. Stop. You're killing me. I appreciate it. My head is exploding. See, I thought divine was from that that John... uh, What's his name? Movies from Baltimore. There there is that divine. (laughs) That's different. That's a different divine. Okay. Michelle, uh, you need to give yourself a plug. Where where can our listeners find more out about you and about your books and all that good stuff? Okay, the website is whitenightstudio.com, and that is Knigget. White K N I G. Is that like Monty Python Knigget? Yes, okay, Monty good. Python plug. Okay, so very nice. My blog is there. There's a connection uh, there. You can see um, the Ensman Starship. I, we, he, this is the man that I worked with and Ice Age Languages. All the tabs are there. I write articles on that blog. So you can go in there and maybe find an article of interest. Um, I also have a symbologist page on Facebook, Michelle Snyder, Symbologist. Um, and it's so whitenightstudio.com, and that will take you. Uh, the books are on Amazon. It'll, it'll show you the books that I have, et cetera. Well, we thank you for coming, Michelle. Thank you Indeed. again. And this is how much we like you. These are all the questions from Larry that we did not answer, ask. You could have asked them. No, we could not. No, because they were all Larry. And each, what page, he knows. each page is one question. Oh. Do you know how many pee breaks that would have been? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, so we're going we're gonna to take a quick break, and we'll be back. Thank you very much, Michelle Snyder. I need an aspirin. Hey, D, this is Larry calling in sick next to dying, but not really. Uh, just calling to let you guys know that uh, I'll be anticipating hearing the show next Monday. And also, too, to give you some advice, don't screw things up. That's all. And, yeah, you just heard uh, Larry Maris calling in from the death, his deathbed. Thanks, Larry. We love you, baby. Don't come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason's getting really comfortable, or Justin's getting really comfortable in your chair Indeed. over there. Justin and looks good in your chair. For and all those who are sick and tired of hearing Larry Marys take piss breaks every 14 seconds, you're welcome, but I'm here. Oh, <laughs> uh, Justin. You know, do you know every episode we get somebody who calls in that says, You guys are peeking or write, or writes in, like, don't, don't. Stop quit, quit age abuse. Age abuse. <laughs> Nobody ever calls, Larry. Who, who is the one? Who is the one? It's Larry's. It's Larry, actually. It's Carol. You know what? You know what? Jeff Moyer did go pretty hard, though. The one, the one episode. Yeah, that's why Jeff's not on the episode this week. Because Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, you need a timeout. Jason, what do you have coming up the next two weeks? <laughs> well, by the time you hear this, my stated meeting would have happened. Uh, so I don't really have. I just got admin stuff, Scottish Rite stuff, and. Some computer stuff that I do for the district, but uh, nothing, nothing really that important. <laughs> Jack, you've got some stuff coming up. I know you have Royal Arch next week. I got week. some stuff coming up. Uh, what? You have Royal Arch next week. Yes. Uh, by the time this airs, Royal Arch will have happened. We will have conferred another Mark Master Mason degree. 
Um, I like the Mark Mattern degree. Uh, the Mark Mattern <laughs> degree, exactly. <laughs> we will have also, actually, Tuesday is state of meeting at Lodge tomorrow. Uh, we're, we actually released this a week later, so it's already happened. Don't come for dinner. It's not going to happen. Um, but Royal Arch will have also happened on Thursday, and uh, that's the Mark degree. Um, everybody's leaning into their microphones like they have something snarky to say. Go ahead, do it. No, I wanted to, I wanted to steal your thunder. I forgot that I wanted to mention that at Lodge 43, at 213 West Chestnut in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 17603, Lodge 43 will be having its Lodge 43 Presents Lecture Series with uh, Christopher Rodkey, who was an ep- uh, a guest on the show, episode three, four, five, six, something around there. <laughs> In the early days, and also we have we have Pete's dog chewing on ice, but we will have Jason Richards and John Ruark coming to Lancaster. Uh, That's Lancaster to you foreigners. To Lancaster, Lancaster. Uh, to talk about some very interesting topics. You can go to Lodge Forty Three Presents Eventbrite dot com. This will probably be the last time you hear about it on this show. So if you want to see some Masonic Roundtable guys <coughs> in real life. Come to Lancaster, and it would have already aired. But I also have been a guest on the Masonic Ground the Masonic Ground Table with Seth Anthony talking about Muscovites. So if you want to go back and listen to the Masonic Ground Table episode number two hundred two, I believe we'll be there. Jack, um, can I finish? Yeah, go ahead. You Jack. can, and I, but I want to say, could you mention when you get to chronologically get to it? Um, we're doing an in-gathering for AMD at uh, Effort of Lodge. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm Googling that on my phone right now as we speak. Junto Council, number 537 of the Allied Masonic Degrees of Pennsylvania, will be holding its inaugural, not first annual, but inaugural, mm. in-gathering, where we will have speakers... And educated people who will be talking about um, things, things of <laughs> educational merit stuff, stuff. <laughs> academic stuff, academically. But they're like smart people. Um, Academics. They, they say are. the big words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're interested in such academical and things, and you are an AMD, oh my God, you're brother. making this so hard. <laughs> I'm not AMD council. AMD. Um, yeah, spell check. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, if you go to Junto Council 537, um, you'll find the Allied Masonic Degrees, and there's a link there to a an Eventbrite that you can buy tickets for uh, lunch, speakers, some conversation. If you're if you're a member of uh, AMD. You can stay in the afternoon for some additional degree work and some conversation about that degree work. Um, I saw there was a festive board with toasts. Oh, my God. Have we got clearance? No, you were so la, 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 la. No, I think la, it's la, fair. La, 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 la. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. In fact, here, let me just mute your microphone. What are you? Channel one, two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's open to Master Mason in the morning, and you have two great speakers, one of which I don't remember. Second of which is one of the directors of the Academy of Masonic Knowledge. And then there will be a lunch and a festive lunch uh, that is open to anybody Master Mason. And then 
in the afternoon, uh, if you are AMD, then you can stick around and watch conferral of one or two of the AMD degrees. Does that sound about right? That is That's about as close. That is about correct. Um, yes. And the, the, the degrees, it's kind of not unlike our speaker today. It's Intro to Esoterica 101. And we're going to try to help the brethren see things in a symbolic way so that they can help themselves to dig deeper into the work so that they can find it for themselves. I told a, a, a guy that got his third degree the other day, we're not, we're not showing you or, or, or giving you the buried treasure, right? We're giving you a shovel and pointing at where you should dig. And, and you need to dig for yourself. Like this, Goonies. Yeah. All right. You just ruin a perfectly good analogy. Thank you, Jason, for that. Because that's what you do. Hey, you guys. Goonies was a great. It's a fantastic movie. It was very spiritual. If you really dig deep, it's very. uh, Yeah. So, Justin, I'll be accepting your uh, chapter petition. (laughs) I'll have it to you Uh, soon. Okay. It's online. (laughs) No worries. Anyway, I guess that's it. Well, somebody's got to take us out like Larry would. No, no. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin, make a chicken sound. Banjo music. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by um, this guy named Hayward. What's his last name? Jablom. I would like to to thank Justin Troop for filling in for Larry Maris. Here, here. Absolute pleasure. Pete Maris are wearing a big purple and shiny fez. Jack Harley for enlightening us on things that uh, we couldn't normally be enlightened on. Jason Lewis, our producer, that's me. Um, He's awesome. That guy. And absolutely our guest and symbologist, Michelle Snyder. This is Jason Lewis. Jack Harley. Justin Troop. Dash the Doberman. <laughs> <laughs> and Pete Ruggieri. Good night. <laughs>